everybody. Welcome to Curly Girlies podcast with Atara and Grace. I'm Atara, founder of the Curly Girl Movement, author of the Curly Girly book series, and owner of curlygirly.com. Okay, and I'm good. here today with my good friend and amazing co-host, Grace Cross. Hi, Grace. How are you today? Hi, Atara. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And I just want to say happy birthday to you. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Atara. You know, I'm just thankful to be here another year. <laughs> well, it's a special day for everyone who loves you, including me. <laughs> oh, thanks, Atara. It means a lot to me. And I'm Grace Cross. I'm the owner of The Baby Spot, the world's only global parenting magazine. And you can find me as always at thebabyspot.ca. Now, Atara, we have such a dynamic and accomplished guest. Who do we have? Grace, audience, today I'm happy to be chatting with Jane Green. Jane is the author of 20 novels, including 17 New York Times bestsellers, one cookbook, and various short stories. Her latest novel, The Friends We Keep, will be available today on Amazon. Jane's books have been published in over 25 languages, and she has over 10 million books in print worldwide. She has been part of the ABC News team, has had her own radio show on BBC Radio London, and has made regular appearances on TV and radio globally. She is also a contributing columnist to The Lady Magazine, England's longest-running weekly magazine. If all that wasn't enough, Jane is also a graduate, graduate of the International Culinary Institute in New York City. Jane is an avid cook, amateur decorator, and passionate gardener. A resident of Westport, Connecticut, Jane lives there with her husband, a few animals, and just six children. Welcome, Jane. How are you today? So happy to be chatting with you. Yes, I'm, it's so nice to, to have adult company. <laughs> right. <laughs> Agreed. Right. So we're really excited to talk to you. Um, I know you have all these best-selling New York Times best-selling books, which I know is no small feat. As I said, I, as a fellow author, this is really um, amazing that you've been able to do all this and and the, through this stand the test of time because you you didn't do that in one year, right? You did that over many years, so that's amazing. But I really want to start with talking about what's on everybody's mind. Like you are living through this pandemic with six children, five of whom are home, right? Yeah. So let's discuss that for a second. How has that been? And, and give us just a range of ages for your children. So um, the children range from 16 to 24. Um, and uh, for, all six were home. One of them has gone off to, to Manhattan. Um, so we're left with five. And it's really interesting because they're not really children they're they're young adults um so on the plus side they don't need me they're entirely self-sufficient um you know they they can look after themselves i don't have to watch over homework or um you know university staff i i just they get on with it by themselves um the downside is um that they are they all cook which sounds incredible Yes, it's amazing. And two oh, I feel your started, pain though, the mess. <laughs> yeah, two of them have started a sourdough bread baking business. Um, oh my goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. But for the fact that cleaning up is, is an ongoing uh, challenge. And, and when you have eight adults, you know, seven slash eight adults living in a house... And it, they're, and they're cooking all day, every day. Uh, the, the mess is just uh, intense. 
So it's in t- and it's never ending, right? Oh, it's so never true. ending. And it, it's been an amazing lesson in the art of acceptance. You know, I just have to kind of breathe and remind myself that this isn't forever. And But I do feel like a, a lot of, you know, I'm a huge introvert. I, there are parts of this pandemic that I'm loving just being, I, I mean, I love being at home, never leaving my house. It's heaven for me. But I also get a lot of my my own feelings of sort of, safety and and peace from the house being orderly and tidy. Yes, exactly. I, I, I actually feel you so much. You know, I, myself, my, my whole family will attest that I'm a neat freak. Um, and it's really hard for me to constantly, you know, I, I have younger kids in their home and I'm constantly picking up after them. And I also have to tell myself that if I want to teach them, so you're a little beyond the teaching stage, but you know, if I want to teach them, I can't do it for them because my inclination would just be to, um, when there's something on the floor to just pick it up. But I'm instead calling their names constantly, come get this, come get that. And I feel a bit like a broken record. So I also understand your wording of acceptance that at some point I try to tell myself, okay, you need to just accept. It's not going to be the way it was before. It will come back. <laughs> there will be a time of order again. <laughs> but but I, I understand what you're saying so much, especially about the cleanup, because I think the cooking can be so enjoyable, especially for you. I want to discuss that also. I know you, you love to cook. You went to culinary school. But the cleanup is where the challenge really lies, isn't it? Well, and, and actually, one of the things that was really interesting about going to culinary school was one of the major things that I learned that transformed the way I cook was actually cleaning up after myself. I mean, I, when I used to cook, it was like 6,000 bombs had exploded in my kitchen. Um, but actually, what I've learned is is kitchen organization. And so now I could be cooking for 30 people. And by the time I finish cooking, there will not be anything in the sink, every surface will be clean because I, I have taught myself to clean up as I go, clean up as I go, I wash up. And that's the secret, clean up as you're cooking. And then you can enjoy, one of the biggest things I notice with hosting dinners and, and having dinner parties with others is the host is usually after they are done cooking, they're not necessarily joining everybody else during the dinner party because they're too busy just tidying up and cleaning. So I think you have the uh, magical ingredient, so to speak, about continuing to be able to entertain, whether it's with family or friends, just to clean up as you go. Yes, clean up as you go. And also, I I love Ina Garten's whole philosophy of cooking because she's a caterer. She understands that when your guests come, no one wants to be standing over the hot stove. So, it, so her food is very much, it's sort of, it's one dish or it, it's things you can make in advance so that when your guests come, everything's done. You don't need to be standing there you know, last minute sauteing something on, you know, just everything's done and you can all eat together. Yeah. Well, clean as you go. That is definitely my motto. I also, you know what I find a challenge? I wonder how you handle this. You know, I do like to feed the kids um, healthy, fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. And I find the chopping is endless, right? If you're going to chop fresh onions and fresh garlic and carrot sticks and celery sticks, that's like a good portion of time that you're devoting to that. Wouldn't you say? Um, yes, we, we've always, we grow everything. So I've always had a big 
vegetable garden. Um, and actually the kids are, because I, I had them planting, you know, I realized when they were very young and refusing to eat vegetables, that a really good way around it was to have them plant with me. So they have, they get so excited. Um, like, you know, pulling off sweet corn from the fresh from the cob and eating it immediately. Um, but I also always had them helping out in the kitchen as well. Um, At a young age, in other words, they were, they were chopping. Start them, start them young, get them chopping safely, teach them, yeah, teach them kind of, you know, how to actually use a knife. Um, and also eating together. That was my other, that's always been my other big thing is family meals. Um, and, and I, you know, I remember sitting, this was my mother-in-law who, who changed everything for me. I, I would always feed the kids early and then I'd eat when my husband came home and I, I sit at the kitchen table kind of barking at the kids, you know, no elbows off the table. Don't speak with food in your mouth, trying to talk to the manners. And, and my mother-in-law sitting with me one day looked at me and said, Jane, how can you possibly expect them to learn when you're not eating with them? And I just thought, oh gosh she's right and actually we and that was the minute everything changed and we've had family dinners ever since wow and it's all about modeling i think that's what you're it, saying it, yeah, that's exactly right they're, they're gonna do what you do not what you say so. not what you say i love yeah. that that's a good that's a good quote to remember i'm i want to pick up on something that i wonder if you realized you said because i'm very interested in the fact that you called yourself an introvert I wonder if you're familiar with Susan Cain's book, Quiet? I, I am, yes. I, I haven't um, read the whole thing, but I, it's a book that I dip in and out of. Yes, I, you know, I live with, I always say, two quiet people in my home. I have my husband is um, quiet and my oldest child is quiet. And I actually think these are really beautiful qualities. And what Susan does in her book is she really elevates um, the the nature of being quiet because I think there's this kind of idea that you know being loud and friendly and the life of the party is really the optimum and that being quiet is sort of like sort of second best like when you you go to you know parent teacher conference and they say oh your your child's so lovely oh but they're quiet so Susan has kind of turns it into not but they're quiet but quiet is amazing which I really support that because I have enormous respect for people who you know think before they speak and have like a quiet dignity about them, um, which also I think is important not to be confused with an introvert, right? Because you can be a social, loudish, um, life of the party person who also prefers time alone. Um, are you a mix of that? Like, what would you say for yourself? It's, it's so interesting and it, it, interesting how it's become part of our, our sort of parlance now. You know, people have much more understanding about introverts and extroverts and, and, I am married to an extrovert and yet to meet us, you would think the reverse because I'm much more hilarious. Um, I'm very outgoing. I love people. He's very quiet. He's a listener. He likes to take his time. He, he thinks, you know, he's a therapist, my husband. And yet, and yet when we each need to read for him, he finds people energizing. So, even though he's quiet, he if he needs a, a boost or he needs his if he's feeling low, he wants to be around people. That's going to break it. And for me, I adore being with people, 
and I find it exhausting. And so I can go to the party, I can have a great time. When I decide to go, I need to go then. Like I'll, I will suddenly- You're like, I'm done. I can't <laughs> speak anymore. And I, I literally can't speak anymore. And I'll go to bed for three days. I mean, I, I will find it exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Grace and I always have this conversation because I think it, to meet me, you would absolutely not believe when I say that I'm an introvert because I seem so gregarious. But I, I, think you're, I think the distinguishing factor is really how do you recharge? And introverts recharge by being alone and having solitude time and extroverts recharge um, in a group of people. So I think that's the distinguishing factor. Very interesting, right? Um, so for one second, tell me, are you still having um, dinners with, you know, all eight of you or now seven of you now that one of them is gone? <laughs> yes, we we absolutely are every night. And and it's sort of something that's that's quite I've quite loved that about quarantine. Um I mean and I it's it's interesting, you know, talking about the mess has been a problem, but also just having a house full of people it is is really hard. So I've also had to give up my office to one of the kids because we up for everybody being at home at the same time um so i've i've now got a table in our bedroom which is i'm using as my office as well um and uh, so that's quite i spend a lot of time in the bedroom because i can be by myself and quiet um but i think because of that there's there's something really reassuring about the the sort of regularity of of family we know that we're having dinner together every night and for me as well I will go downstairs sometime between four and five o'clock have a drink start making you know I put my apron on it there's something very grounding for me as well yes about just you know going downstairs and 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 I it's it's meditative for me gardening and cooking are both very calming for me well, I think also the idea that you have this, uh, it gives a flow to your day, which in these times, th there is no flow. So the idea that at some point between four and five, this is what happens, and then we sit down together, gives a routine and a structure, which is needed. How are your um, adult kids or teenage kids, how are they dealing with you know, the lack of socialization. I know that Zoom has taken over, but it, I definitely don't think it's the same. I don't think anyone does. It doesn't replace actual people. And I know it's so hard, and I think it's particularly hard for young adults. So how are they and dealing with that, and how are you and your husband dealing with it as parents? So uh, I have to say they have been extraordinary. And, and of the kids, I would say three of them are huge extroverts. And three of them are huge introverts. Um, but one of the things they've done is, you know, and three of them are in are at university and two in high school and one was working. Um, but they they have all just kept themselves really busy. I mean, they're cooking. They've all started working out. I mean, one of them is, is uh, an athlete at university anyway. Um, and... Uh, they're just working out like crazy. They're going on like forty-five mile bike rides and and yeah, you know, and just doing like Zoom workouts. And they just seem to be keeping themselves busy. Um, they're all quite. I, I'm, I'm amazed actually. I'm amazed. I mean, I, I recognize, especially for the more extroverted kids, this is very hard. But they have blown me away with with 
how they're, they're coping with this. Actually, better than me. I mean, I was completely non-productive for weeks. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't read. I couldn't write. I just sort of watched the news and watched videos. I went down that rabbit hole on Facebook of yes. the <laughs> Obsessing over every piece of news, right? Oh my God. Well, there was news. And then the antidote to that for me was watching um, animals being rescued. And I could watch them oh, all day. <laughs> being, you know, found in drain pipes. And I just, you know, I watched that for hours and hours. Happily, I'm writing again now. So um, that's so wonderful. And uh, we're seeing that the news, as you can say, has been all encompassing for so many people. What would be your suggestion to parents to make sure that they still stay grounded? Like you actually gave yourself um, a few weeks of forgiveness. Listen, things have been thrown out of place and you weren't able to write or continue what you do so well uh, just for a little bit. So what's your advice for parents who are kind of feeling stuck during this whole quarantine situation? Well, I think there are a couple of things. Um, I I would say... Um, you know, I found that watching the news as addictive and compulsive as it was, it didn't actually change anything or make make me feel better. It actually made me feel a lot worse. And I, I if I restrict that, it, my life is much better. Um, I don't go down the the spiral of negativity. Um, and I also think that it's really important to be pr- to be present for your kids. You don't have to be present. 24 7 or even 5 7 I mean you you right you yes exactly need to cut it's really important for all of us I mean I, I feel actually I, I want to talk about this because this relates to to the friends we keep as well and my feeling on technology um but we have all become so lost to technology and to our screens and, and our kids see that and and they echo that they're doing the same things and I think even that's the kind of beauty of something like a family dinner I know it's a minimum of an hour a day where there are no phones allowed and we are totally present and we are talking and if you can carve out you know a couple of times a day where you know you're completely devoted and your kids have your attention that's the important thing I, I, I think that's that's a very important thing. Like spend less time on news, um, and you don't have to spend more time with your children. You just have to make sure that that time is is quality time. Right, because we well we are by default spending um, so much more time with them than we ever have, and I think we have to strike a balance where we where we say to ourselves, even though we're spending all of this time that we've never spent with them before, we have to still remember that there is. A moment or moments that have to become quality time because in the frenzy of all of the things that we have to do, especially if we're working and trying to, you know, do school with them and other things, we, we just, when we're done with that, we might just say, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. So I think it's nice to have that dinner that you're talking about, or maybe it's different for every family. Maybe it's reading a book with them. I, I try, I don't do it every night, but to even like take out a book and we're going to read a chapter tonight with the kids, just something so that there's a level of quality to the feeling that that we have with them. So they're not just running about trying to catch our attention in the middle of all the things that we're trying to juggle. Right. Lovely. I, I love that with the reading. One of the things that I always did when the kids were young is I we had reading time where we'd all kind of crawl on 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 my bed, um, all with our books. So I'd have my book as well. So it, 
reading time for me and they would read their books and I'd love to tell you that as a result of that I have six readers but I don't but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay I have they one. do other things I have one, you have one. really okay that's okay <laughs> it's time for me to read as well which I loved that's oh. great so tell us I'm, I'm really excited to talk about your latest novel The Friends We Keep I love that title yes. I'm very interested in, in what's behind that tell us a little about that book so um The Friends We Keep was well I can I tell you about the inspiration behind it first please yeah Yes. Yes. So, um, it was, I guess I probably wrote it three or four years ago now, but at the time, my husband and I were going out for dinner and, you know, we were reaching a time where we could sort of see that we would have an empty nest soon and our friends are all in a similar position and we'd find ourselves having dinner with friends and at some point during the evening, the same conversation would always come up, which is, hey, you know, when, what are we going to do? What are the next steps? Like when the kids all leave, wouldn't it be amazing if we all bought like a farm somewhere or a, or a piece of land and we all built our own kind of houses, but had like a communal barn with a big kitchen and a family room. So we could basically go into the next stage of life with our favorite people in the world. And, and, Every time this conversation came up, everybody was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. We have to do it. And I started to think, well, I guess I, I sort of realized as well that as a, as a woman in midlife, you know, with children about to leave, that my life was much more isolated than I ever expected it to be. Okay. Yeah. And how so? How did you find this? Um, I, you know, when your children are small, you I mean I made my my best friends at the school gates you know waiting for the kids to come out of preschool and I met these incredible women and we had so much time even though it didn't feel like it at the time but we see each other every day and there were playdates and there was I, there was such a strong community and then your kids get older and they go off to different schools and you don't see those women as much and and then suddenly you know the kids are in high school and and people start working again and so you never see them and meanwhile you're behind screens all the time we're we're all like i you know god forbid my phone should ever ring in horror thinking what's the matter with you why can't you text me like a normal <laughs> right aren't you supposed yes. to text me before you call exactly. me no, yeah calls anyone anymore and and i realized that even even though I had become so used to this way of life to sort of texting and seeing my friends maybe once every three or four weeks because we were all so busy I actually I, I just felt lonely uh, and I think that it's something that many of us start to feel as our kids get older they don't need you anymore in the way that they did and and it can be really lonely and 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 so you know the conversations that I started having, I suddenly realised, hey, you know, I the beauty of being a novelist is that I could try this out in novel form. Um, you know, what would it actually be like to sort of live with all your friends suddenly as, as adults? And so I created a group of people who all meet at college and they live together in college and they swear they'll be best friends forever and ever. They'll never lose touch. But of course life gets in the way and 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 time drifts on and and soon they find that they have lost touch but they all come together again at their 
30th reunion, haven't seen each other for years, and on a whim, they're all on their own for whatever reason, they decide to live together again. But they do not realize that one of them is carrying a big secret from the past that threatens to destroy everything. So that, that is The Friends We Keep, which is actually out now. I think I have the wrong date up on my website. But oh, I think you do. Oh, so yeah. it just came. Okay. So we, yeah. we're corrected. So you can get that on Amazon today, yes. right? Amazon. Oh, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Because that sounds really so fascinating. It's a fascinating concept. It's also interesting that you chose to write about this because, you, you know, as an introvert, I think there'd be a part of you that would say, this is anathema. There's just no way I'm living with all these people. I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, that, that's why, actually, for me, I could only do it if I had a house to retreat to. To go I, back to. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And it's sort of, uh, you know, when I'm in the mood to be with people, I, you know, yes, yay, let's play. But then they'd have to understand that there are going to be days when I'm I'm going to be under you're just not going to be pay, right and and in the old days you wouldn't pick up your phone and then you don't want to see them <laughs> so, <laughs> and now you don't want to see them yes I, I I hear you wow so tell us a little bit about just writing and the process you know with children because you've been writing for many many years and you were bringing up a family how did you divide your time was there a division of time. Did you work at home? How did all that happen? So, um, in the beginning, I worked at home. Before I had children, yes. I worked at home. I worked at home when I first had children. Um, but then I realized it was, it was too difficult. So I would leave the house in the mornings um, and go to the library. Or there, there were years when I had an office. But, but I would go to the library, um, which I really liked because... I'm around people and it, it's, you know, the, the tricky thing with being a writer and an introvert is that you still have to lead enough of a life in order to have something to write about. Um, so, yes. so I thought it was really, if I left my house in the morning and had a routine and went to work, I mean, the routine helped, but it was, it also put me in the world, which, which was a really good thing. I would say that um, the most important sort of character trait for for being a writer you know possibly not more than talent but equal to is discipline it's all about discipline because anyone can start a book um but the really hard bit is finishing one and um and there are always other things that need doing and when you have a family and you have children you can always come up with excuses because you're you're always needed elsewhere so it's really being incredibly disciplined carving out that time sitting your butt in that chair and not getting up until the words are on the page and and by the way everybody is different my thing was I'm a, I'm a journalist by training, so I set myself a word count, and I would not leave my desk until those words were on the page. And when the children were in school and needed me, I always made sure I was done by lunchtime. So I'd be at my desk by about nine, and I'd be done by lunchtime so I could be mom for the rest of the day. Wow. And you did it, and you did it with so many novels. So, yeah. wow, amazing, right? Yeah, I actually, when I, years ago, I wrote, um, the first book I wrote after I had children was Babyville. And I I started writing Babyville two weeks after I had my first child. Um, yes, but actually, I, you know, for me, I've always 
needed to be defined by something other than somebody's wife and somebody's mother. Not that those things are not wonderful, but I needed something that was just for me. Um, and I also, it, it's given me freedom, it's given me confidence, it's given me choices. Um, so I always encourage women to, to have something that's for them. This is what's uh, incredible about it. It seems that um, in your writing, these amazing 17 novels, that when you're going through a certain stage in life, you put out this incredible story to go along with it. I, I have, my books have very much charted the course of my life. Um, and actually, I'm now writing my first nonfiction book. I was just about to ask uh, you that. So <laughs> exciting. You have to tell us all, uh, all about it. Well, it, it's very much the stuff that we've been talking about today. Um, it, it sort of rules for a good life. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure what the title is. My working title for it has been hashtag liberated, but I think... We're now we're now looking at um, calling it me Jane. I don't know. It's likely to change. You'll have to see. Right, you'll have to see how it evolves. Yes, but it but it's very much it's sort of part memoir. It's part prescriptive. It's 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 kind of the wisdom that I've acquired along the way and and what's inspired me and and uh, you know I feel enormously lucky. You know I've had this incredible career. Um, I am married for the second time. I, I adore my, I have a really wonderful marriage. We've been together for 14 years. Um, and, uh, and I just have, I, I, I want to share it because I've learned so much. Um, yeah. And I really do believe that, that life is where you look, that, uh, that, but life is life, you know, life is going to throw wonderful things at you and terrible things at you. And it's really not about that. It's about, it's all about perception. It's how you choose to look at it. Right. Yeah. And how you can turn things in different ways if you try and yeah. if you look for the opportunity to do so. Well, there's, so think... there's an apocryphal story that I, I often tell if I'm giving talks, um, which I love, which sort of encompasses all of it, which is, I, I always base it in Westport, Connecticut, because it's my town. But um, you know, a woman pulls into a gas station in, you know, could be West Hampton, could be Westport, wherever it is. She pulls in, let's say, Westport, Connecticut, and she says to the attendant, hey, I'm moving here with my family next week. What's, what's Westport like? And he says, well what's the town like where you've been living? And she says, oh, it's awful. The people are entitled. They're full of themselves. They're, you know, they're, they're arrogant. haven't made any friends. It's just, it's awful. And he says, well, I think you'll find Westport is pretty much the same. The same. <laughs> a different woman pulls in and says to the same attendant, hey, I'm, I'm moving here with my family next week. What's the town like? He says, well, what's the town like where you've been living? She goes, oh, it's amazing. The best people we've ever met. It's so community minded and, and we just love everyone. He says, well, I think you'll find Westport is much the same. the same I love and, that and it, it's really you know life is where you look it's not about the town it's about you it's you, you it's your I love truth. that I think that's actually a story I'm going to tell at dinner tonight I love that <laughs> that's right. I love that because I do think there's something so real um and truthful about that it's yeah. really you can find good and bad everywhere there are good and bad people everywhere and it's really where are you looking and what are you seeing Right. And as parents, what are we helping our children to see? 
Well, and I think, you know, the way it, it's, if you had to, tend to have a negative outlook as I did actually I mean I I, uh. I think I was very much I realized as like my mother which was yes it was lovely but, but, but you know, right. <laughs> so I once thought, you add the but it's over <laughs> right it, well, that's exactly and I realized that about myself and and one of the things that I discovered was key to changing that was actually adopting what they call an attitude of gratitude, but really making gratitude part of every day. So every time I found myself spiraling into the, well, yes, but I'd, I'd stop myself and it became, you know, I, I had to do it. I mean, and it, you have to, everything takes time to become a habit. It took time. But what I trained myself to do was every time I felt myself spiraling in a negative pace, I'd stop and think, three what three things am I grateful for today and I would literally stop whatever I was doing and in my head just think I'm grateful for today and, and what it does is it actually rewires the neural pathway in your brain and and I would say I am so much how as a result of that wow it's changing your inner dialogue and yeah. and changing the inner dialogue of our children. I, I really love that. I'm not letting you go without discussing your hair because, you know, we are curly, girly hair. We are all about our hair legacy. I, I, I really am trying to empower children to understand that their curly hair is part of a greater legacy. And with that understanding, I think comes empowerment. So right now I know you have pink hair. Let's discuss that for a second. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, it happened... Um See, and this is also a fiction book as well, that I'm turning 52 on uh, Sunday. And, oh, um, happy birthday. and happy I, birthday. Thank you. And I spent a really, really long time trying to fit in and trying to look like everybody else. And, you know, I live in a town where you can never be too rich or too thin um, for myself. And, and, you know, I never felt that I was thin enough or good enough or, or looked right. And so I tried very hard to look like everybody else. And I had the, you know, caramel highlights and, and bought the labels and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I realized turning 50, I, you know, this is, I don't really know who I am. I, I've spent so long trying to fit into something that I don't actually know who I really am. And maybe now is the time to start finding out. And on a whim, I, I saw a picture of, of a woman with pink hair and I thought, wow, that looks fantastic. I'd love to see what that looks like. And I called my daughter. I said, darling, she was out doing some errands. I said, darling, can you just pick up some pink hair dye for me from CVS? Like, mum, no. I said, stop that. <laughs> You're so embarrassing. You cannot walk around with pink hair, mom, right? I could hear that. <laughs> I did it and the minute I looked wow. at myself in the mirror I was like oh my god I I'm a natural born pink head I'm <laughs> that's oh, it <laughs> I'm supposed to have had pink hair my whole life and I, I never it. realized and then I started like I realized that I really love kind of vintage clothes and yes wow. like looking like everybody else and so I've, I've spent the last couple of years kind of figuring out well what is my look you know what, right. what and I yes. love, you know what's my style clothes. right yeah 
what is my style? I love like huge, chunky jewelry and, and just a little bit crazy. And so your pink hair liberated you. That's why the title of my book was, you know, hashtag liberated. Yeah. No, actually, but it was, you know what it was? It was turning 50. It was turning 50 and thinking, if not now, when? When, like, right. What are you going to be 70 with pink hair? You may as well be 50. Well, but like, <laughs> like now is the time. I've spent so long trying to be things for other people. Right, right. I forget it. Yeah. I'll figure out who am I going to be for me? So you also have curly hair, right? Do you feel like you have a hair legacy? Like where does that hair come from? Do you know? Uh, my curly hair? Yes. Uh, it's what my friend Jean calls an Ashkenazi deluxe. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's that Mediterranean hair? Oh, no, it's the, it's the Europe, Eastern yeah. European. <laughs> it's the Eastern European dental look. Um, yeah, interesting, yeah, right? I, There's yeah. a lot of that in, the, in yeah. that community. And yeah, yeah. So I have uh, my probably my grandmother's, you know, just crazy, curly, frizzy, big hair. Um, and growing up, there wasn't any, there was no product for it. There was nothing. So there was gel, which made it crunchy. Um, so I discovered straightening my hair. It had never occurred to me till I was about 21. I think on my 21st birthday, uh, I had my hair blown out straight and, and I loved it. And, and, over the years, I have every now and then I go curly, um, but it never quite feels like me. Like yourself. And that's so interesting. And I don't yeah. quite know why. Well, I do. I think for a long time when I was trying to look like, you know, somebody I, I wasn't, um, I wanted to fit in and somehow, every, you know, everybody was straightening their hair. So I had to as well. Nobody had cur curly hair was less than, so you couldn't have done that. Yes. Um, right. So... What I don't like doing is keratin and that stuff particularly because it makes my hair too flat. I love having big hair. I love my, and my hair is massive. Um, it's a shame we don't have video actually because my, my, I'm having a particularly good hair day today. All right, well, snap <laughs> a selfie, send it to us. I will. <laughs> my hair is very large, um, which I love. It's got tons of body. Um, summer is, is the death of me because it just frizzes. Um, but I figure... Pink and curly is too much. I, I, don't right. know. I get that. I get that. Yeah. I get that. And you know what? Now there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of products that will help you at some point if you ever want to embrace your curly hair. There'll be a ton of products that oh, can help you. Yes. So. And, and I'm, sh I'm sure it will happen in some form again, because I do go through these phases, but I've, I've also sort of chopped it off. So it's a bit, it's a bit, um, choppy now it's so i like experimenting i'm i'm having fun experimenting that's that's great i love that that's great well it has been such a pleasure having you on you're really um a dynamic interesting person i've i've learned a lot today so oh, thank you so thank much. you for thank coming you. i want everyone to go out and get the friends we keep on Amazon. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, I hope to have you on again because you're really, I, I see there's a lot more to talk about yeah. and we could spend hours. So I would love we'll that. do this again. How about okay. that? <laughs> Good. Sounds wonderful. Thank you so much and take care. Okay. Thank take you, care. Jane. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.